Hey everyone, you're listening to Can You Hear Us Now? Inclusivity in the Media, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of those in marginalized communities who are frequently overlooked in the mainstream media. Each week we discuss new topics in order to promote representation of those who are recurrently silenced or ignored. Our program aims to bring awareness to these issues in order to stimulate inclusivity in the media. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to our episode of UNC Chapel Hill's Diversity and Communications class, Can You Hear Us Now? Inclusivity in the Media. Today, we will be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the music industry, music labels, and corporate world. Before we start, let us introduce ourselves. My name is Lucy, and I'm a junior majoring in journalism and theater. Hi, my name is Molly, and I'm a senior majoring in political science and advertising and public relations. My name is Akila, and I'm a senior majoring in advertising and PR and minoring in music. Today's guest is Madeline Wynn Acosta, also known as Maddie. She is a specialist at Sony Music Group's Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. In her role, she assists with the creation and expansion of DEI initiatives, policies, and programs across SMG. Prior to beginning her role at Sony Music Group, Maddie was an intern through the 4A's Foundation's MATE program after she graduated from the University of Oregon. I had the great pleasure of getting to know Maddie through connecting with her on LinkedIn to learn more about the MATE program, and later I matched with Sony Music Group and met her in person at the NYC headquarters office this summer. Maddie worked very hard to create an amazing experience for all the SMG Impact Fellows, a group of interns at Sony Music from various diversity talent pipelines, and I knew she would have so much great stuff to say about our topic today. Welcome Maddie, and thank you for joining us. Hello everyone, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm super excited to be with you all today. My diversity, equity, and inclusion journey, I'd like to say that it started off at a very young age. I am multiracial, so I'm half Vietnamese and half Filipino. And with that, I feel like DNI, before it became this buzzword, was just always ingrained in me. I've always been immersed in my own culture and growing up in the Bay Area, that's a melting pot of multiple cultures. It's it's always been around me. So I never considered myself to like feel like the only in other situations until I attended school out of state at a predominantly white institution. So that's where I kind of had like my wake up call and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I matter <laughs> and I matter in spaces where I should be noticed and seen a lot more. And so that kind of was ingrained in me and I'm giving you the short version for sure. At my college, I worked at my school's multicultural center and created safe spaces for other Black, Indigenous people of color on my school's campus. And it also led to me dabbling into some advocacy work and thus my passion into diversity, equity, inclusion. But separate from that, I also majored in journalism, public relations. So I share that similarity with all of you. And that's my like communications background what I like to do outside of work, outside of school, outside of learning, outside of serious stuff. <laughs> um, I love to cook. I consider myself a foodie, so I'm always like trying out new foods. And I was also a dancer growing up, so I've danced hula and Tahitian. And I just like to eat, sleep, repeat. <laughs> 
Awesome. So I know you said that DEI has been a part of your life for a really long time, but like, how would you define now working in it, like in a professional capacity and what your role is? I feel like before DEI was the term that it is today, like I never had the words for it growing up before I like came into this space. Something being diverse was just always the norm for me. And then I learned that it's not the norm nationwide. In college, I had a senior thesis and that's also kind of what jumpstarted my DEI work. And I think it kind of like helps me define how I look at DEI today. And with my thesis, I would say that's where I learned like most of the fundamentals about DEI, which helps form my opinion about it in a formal workplace setting or like in corporate. Diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. And finally, equity is like making sure that everybody has equal access to dance. So like the best way I like to describe equity, especially when people mistake it with equality, is say for example, a company wants to give out free bicycles to everyone in the company for some celebration of sorts. Rather than giving everyone the same bicycle, you're not keeping in mind the terms of everyone's needs. So someone who might have a physical disability might need like a different kind of seat when they sit down in that vehicle or keeping in mind like height differences and stuff like that. So that's how I like to look at equity. And there's tons of like images out there that will help put that visual representation for you. But that's basically my definition of DE&I and I use that definition to help drive my work with a great understanding of what DE&I is and how it shows up in different spaces. I think that's what makes a great DE&I practitioner. So obviously there's DE&I and how it applies to my life and my background and my identity, but DE&I also looks differently in a corporate setting. So I've definitely learned that in my role and I'm sure we'll get into more of it in the next few questions of the podcast. Yeah, so the next question actually does cover that. And the question is, what does your typical day-to-day look like? What do you do starting off? What are your typical jobs, et cetera, et cetera? So every day for me looks very, very different and it's hard to explain it. Um, in a broad setting, but essentially I work in a hybrid setting right now. I work from home on Mondays and Fridays and I go into our office in New York City on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. The various projects that I get to work on are what excites me and what keeps every day looking different. It ranges from working with our talent advisory groups, which is Sony Music's fancy name for employee resource groups, also known as ERGs. So my work ranges from working with our tags all the way to helping build different and new initiatives and policies at Sony Music. So for example, a lot of heritage months and cultural celebrations shape the work that our talent advisory groups do. We're just wrapping Hispanic and Latinx Heritage Month, so a lot of my support goes there. Whereas the more strategic work comes in is that Internally, we're working to launch our first ever diversity, equity, and inclusion framework. And I hope that we can share this externally soon, but it's really like looking at existing policies or policies that might not exist yet and trying to implement that to create a new and inclusive culture at Sony Music. Amazing. So aside from the stuff you can't share externally quite yet, uh, what are some initiatives you've been a part of at Sony Music and some initiatives that you have been able to lead? 
Yeah, of course. So the main initiative that most people might already know about is our Sony Music Group Impact Fellows Program. And that um, is the program that brought me to Sony Music in the first place. So essentially what this program is all about is us partnering with diverse talent pipelines like MATE, um, HBCU in LA, Out for Undergrad. Um, these are all programs that are specifically meant for um, students of color or students who come from different communities. And um, we partner with them to bring that top tier talent and that upcoming next generation to Sony Music. We want that new talent coming in. So we partner with all of them and bring them in. And it's separate from our general internship program, which qualifies an intern to be a SMG Impact Fellow. And I got to help build this program from the ground up, from first being in the program as a fellow myself and giving input to the Office of DEI and how we can improve it, to just this past summer, as Akila mentioned at the beginning, um, building that program for them. So some of the things that I did that were new additions to the program last year are putting our fellows in front of employees who are not too far along in their career so that those impact fellows can see exactly where their career trajectory could go at Sony Music. So we're putting interns in front of coordinators, in front of managers, um, not so much at the high level but because we want them to learn directly from people who were just in their shoes not too long ago. So hosted different panel sessions like that and in that session as well, we got to introduce the SMG Impact Fellows to our CEO and chairman, Rob Stringer. So that was super exciting to show our senior leaders exactly the kind of work that we're driving forward. I also help with our partnership with GLAAD. So for those who don't know, GLAAD is the top LGBTQ media advocacy organization, and they help drive positive and accurate LGBTQ media representation almost everywhere. If there's anything related to LGBTQ um, people in the media, GLAAD was probably behind it. Um, so we started and launched our multi-tier partnership with them. Uh, it started last year at GLAAD's 33rd annual GLAAD Media Awards. And that partnership is continuing on to this year and we hope to share some more stuff about it soon. Awesome. So I know you defined what diversity, equity, and inclusion means to you, but what does it mean to you to be totally diverse, equitable, and inclusive, either in the music industry or just in general? To be totally inclusive, equitable, and diverse, my honest answer is that we haven't really seen that yet. And that goes for in personal life, in corporate, in everything. I feel like and I'm speaking about the US specifically, I'm not talking about it on a global scale. I feel like we don't know what that looks like. And that's what we're striving to achieve for those who are immersed in DEI subjects and topics like that. Like there's the basics, like we all know about systemic racism. We all know like where our issues are rooted and we're trying to change that. So I feel like to be totally inclusive, equitable and diverse, that picture hasn't really come clear for me yet, but I have that goal in mind whenever I think about the work that I do. When I think of a inclusive, equitable and diverse workplace, what I think of is that everybody feels a sense of belonging. There's a place for everyone there. Um, I think it's easy to point out what 
isn't inclusive, so you know exactly what being exclusive is. So if that gauges the image that I'm trying to, to paint, also to be equitable, that looks like everybody moving up the ranks at a fair pace. I feel like there are tons and tons of statistics out there about how, you know, most white people, white men, white women move up the ranks more than um, women of color and more importantly, black women. And there's something called the broken rung. And essentially that's like the rung in the ladder that doesn't allow folks to move up. So that's an example of a workplace that's totally equitable to me. And last but not least, diverse. Um, when, when I think about something that's totally diverse, I feel like that part of the picture is already there because our world is diverse. And every time I have conversations with people who are new to the space, I find that a lot of folks are saying, oh, we need to increase diversity. We need to increase diversity. But the truth is diversity is already there and it's not something that we can increase ourselves. Diversity has already been existing. It's been around, um, whether it's people's socioeconomic status, um, where they're from, their backgrounds, etc. That part of the picture is already there. Now we just have to make everybody included in it. So my abstract answer is that it's a perfect picture of full of color. It's vibrant. It's fun. It's abundant. Right now, it's a little black and white, and we don't want it that way. I'm a visual person, as you can see. <laughs> so that's kind of like the picture that I'm trying to paint and what I envision uh, when I think of a totally inclusive and equitable space. When I think about it separate from corporate, I honestly think about where I came from. I feel like, yes, there's always going to be improvements no matter what, but my community and where I grew up in the Bay Area, I like to think that it's um, inclusive and equitable and in some ways, let me quote, in some ways, <laughs> there are many, many things that we still have to work on um, when it comes to corporate, but I think of it like as communities being embraced, the sharing of cultures, that's probably my favorite part of it. As I mentioned, I love food. I love music. I work in music. So like hearing different music all the time, trying new foods all the time, um, that's kind of what I hope for the world to move towards and for everybody to be accepting of that. What thoughts do you have on diversity in the music industry and its impact on the general public? So something that I learned when I first stepped into Sony Music is that most people have the misconception that the music industry is already super diverse. The truth of the matter is behind the curtains, what everybody sees are the artists who are making great, great music and shifting culture. But behind the curtain, it's kind of what most companies have. It's white men at the executive level, which is no problem. But what we're trying to do is like educate them so that there are more voices in the room, more representation, et cetera, et cetera. In order for the music industry to be like totally inclusive is that what shows up on the outside has to be reflected on the inside. I think that the music industry is making progress towards that image and not just an image, like it's actually real and it's tangible. Like we're not just doing this for show. After the murder of George Floyd, some of y'all might have seen Blackout Tuesday and it kind of got misconstrued with, you know, people doing it as an act of performance activism. So some of y'all might have seen it like that, but it originally started with the music industry and people within music were calling out top music execs 
and artists were even calling on them to do better in the music industry. Um, especially since music is such a driver of culture in society as a whole. So I think Blackout Tuesday was the kickstart of the DNI wave in music. And since then, the top three or the big majors, um, that's Sony Music, Universal Music, Warner Music, all three of them have done their own work within to start making those places more equitable and inclusive. They've all hired a chief diversity inclusion officer. Shout out to ours, Tiffany R. Warren. And since then, they've all been driving work. I'm sure that y'all can look up what they're doing. Yes, we're all competitors in that sense of the big three. But at the same time, we're all shifting uh, the music industry in the same way. We all have the same collective vision. And I think not a lot of people on the outside might know that. They might not know, like, we're all competitors, but we're all striving for the same goal. So... To sum up my answer, I think that the music industry is making progress and with all progress, progress is slow because it takes so much time to uproot these systemic issues, but we're working on it and I have positive and high hopes for the future. Great. So while you've mentioned a lot of the serious aspects of working in DE&I, what are some fun experiences you've gotten to participate in while working at Sony? I would say one of the first, like, cool things that I got to be a part of was that sponsorship with GLAAD. And uh, we showed up at the GLAAD Media Awards. And then more recently, I also got to attend uh, Gold House's Gold Gala, and that was their inaugural gala. And Gold House, for those of you who don't know, is a premier nonprofit org who um, is all about API representation. Y'all should go check them out. They do really, really dope stuff. They're kind of like the consultants and the creators and the culture changers behind all things API representation, starting from Crazy Rich Asians to other more well-known movies like Parasite um, and things like that. So I attended their gala. Also got to be surrounded by so many well-known people. I met one of my favorite YouTubers at that event who I've been watching since I was a kid. His name is Tim Chung Thurong Su. So like, I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. And it's so ironic that I was there and feeling like I didn't belong only because everybody there like has contributed to representation in some massive scale, like thousands of followers on Instagram or you're an actor or you're an actress, you're an influencer, whatever it was. And I was like, oh my God, I don't belong here. Like everyone's asking me what I do. And I'm like, I work in music. <laughs> but it's funny because the founder of that organization, Gold, uh, Gold House, his name is Bing Chen. Bing has also spent some time here at Sony Music uh, and did a culture conversation here at Sony Music where I remember him vividly saying that his mom told him, you know, like if you're in the room, you got invited for a reason and you deserve to be there. So it was a really full circle moment because I heard Bing say that at the beginning of my internship at Sony Music. And then for me to feel some type of way, but then remember his words in that space, um, it was it was really fun. This episode of the Can You Hear Us Now podcast was produced as part of the class project for Mijo 441 Diversity and Communication at the Husband School of Journalism and Media at UNC Chapel Hill. This episode was produced by Akila, Lucy, and Molly and recorded on October 14th, 2022. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Can You Hear Us Now podcast. We hope we were able to expand your mind and shed some light on this week's topic regarding diversity in the arts. As always, we encourage you to take a closer look at the media you consume and don't be afraid to advocate for those who might not have a voice. Make sure to tune in next time when we discuss character diversification in the film industry. You can also head over to our website, CanYouHearUsNowPodcast.com, to check out more information and resources relating to our episodes. Be sure to leave a like on this episode and subscribe to our program on platforms including Simplecast, Spotify, Audible, and iHeartRadio. See you next time. Thank you.